I don't like the word guru. I don't like the word expert, especially in the marketing and social media space. How can you be an expert on something that's changing every second? Welcome to Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their career through a strong personal brand. Rep Your Brand is hosted by Nick Bennett, one of LinkedIn's top voices on field marketing and personal branding. In each episode, Nick captures stories on how to overcome the challenges marketers face with growing their brand. So if you're a marketer looking to open doors and create opportunities that you never thought were possible, then listen in to get tangible tips and strategies to build your very own personal brand. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their careers through a strong personal brand. I'm Nick Bennett, and this podcast is brought to you by my friends at Motion. They're a done-for-you podcasting service for scrappy marketing teams in B2B tech. They're two of the nicest guys around, and the assets that they create are truly world-class. You can find them at motionagency.io. And today, I'm especially excited because our guest is Christina Garnett, a strategist and a community builder and someone that has got me hooked on marketing tools. Twitter. Christina, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Nick. This is excellent. Awesome. So I'll get right into it. So how in the world did you get into marketing and become a community builder? Absolutely. So it's a very weird journey. doesn't have that nice, clean path that most people think about. I was an English major in college. wound up teaching math for five years. Met my husband, got married, got pregnant, moved, was a stay-at-home mom. And then after I re-entered the workforce, I had to decide if I wanted to go back into teaching or not. And my husband had said I should go into marketing because I would always be, I would always fix things. I would always say like, well, this word or phrasing would be better or this color choice or like I am a deconstructionist at heart. So I just automatically break things and figure out how to optimize, which a lot of marketers do instinctively. We can't help ourselves. So had that had that happen. And then I was starting to see more and more how brands, it was just a, it was just a lost art of how to use and be a fan of the fans, how to use your fans to build you up. And in the past, I mean, we had community building, we just called it word of mouth, you know? So how do we really leverage that and essentially almost weaponize it, but in a good way? How do you leverage word of mouth, but do it in a collective space so that you're able to have people who, someone says something negative about your brand, those are the people that are gonna stand up and say something back to them before your own channels can even say anything. So it's definitely important. And so when I was working in agency world and also working as a marketing director for the Small Business Development Center in my area, I really continued to see like, we need to work together. We need to support small businesses. We need to, we need to really kind of be this force for good. And so you start seeing these little pieces of how can we get more and more people involved so that we can have one collective goal. We can have one specific mission. And that's kind of spread from there. Amazing, amazing. Totally agree with you. It's funny because my, my wife's actually, she's a te- kindergarten teacher. Yay, um, that's awesome. And, and, and like, yeah, and so it's like, you know, I'm in marketing and I've always worked for startups. And like, she's just like, it's such like a risky job. She was just like, oh, I've been a teacher for 10 years. And she's like, I could never picture myself doing something else, but you have done mm-hmm. something else. So that's amazing. So some people say your personal brand doesn't matter. And there's, there's lots of like, I feel like there's two camps on this. There's people that are pro-personal brand. There's people that think personal brand is not really a thing. So what's your take on that? It's definitely a thing. It can be a bad thing, though. It can create a slippery slope. So a great example is people who we would probably in our community consider snake oil. They are really good at selling themselves. But when you get down to like the product or service that they're actually promising you, if you look under the hood, so to speak, there's nothing there. 
the execution's not there, it's, it's a lot of flash, and then not a lot of really good work. That's really hindered the idea of the personal brand. That's why the, that's why the concept of thought leadership a couple years ago was brilliant and great. And now you look at it today and we're just like, it's bro a tree on LinkedIn, or it's people copying other people's content. So the thing is, is that personal brand is, I, I value it, I think it's important. The problem, and it's like this with most marketing and most industries, to be honest with you, some people run with it and take it too far. And it makes other people who are, who are setting up those same patterns, it makes the rest of the industry look bad. But I think personal brand is incredibly important because it's a really great way to highlight what you care about. But I would argue that differentiation is important. It's great to have a niche. Like I'm very much community building, social listening, audience intelligence. Audience intelligence really is, if I had to pick the one thing, that encapsulates everything that I love. I wanna learn more about my audience. I wanna make them feel understood and heard. That, that is the core of what I love. And all the other things I could talk about can kind of go under that umbrella. So having people just like a brand, just like a business, being able to say, I follow so-and-so because I love their copy about da-da-da-da-da, or I love that they share da 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 or they write pieces about these topics. So it's great to be able to understand what people can get value from you for and then have that be like, I'm gonna follow this person because of this, because that's why. They may they might consciously or unconsciously do it, but they're following you for a reason. They wanna see your content for a reason. The problem is when you stop doing the work. That's, that's the thing is you can have 2,000 followers and be like one of the best, most talented marketers in the world, and you can have 50,000 followers and just talk a lot of stuff, but you don't do the work. I think personal brand's great, but you have to do the work. Yeah, totally agree with you. And that's that's something that I feel like people have the misconception, or I guess maybe not a misconception, but people say personal brand equals reputation. And so I, the, the way that I think of it is, you know, reputation is someone you're perceived a certain way mm-hmm. by people, whereas personal brand is the way that you want to be perceived. Mm-hmm. So like, what's, what's your thought on if those two kind of run together or if they're different in some ways? It definitely can run together. What I find is that your personal brand tends to be, so let's say that you were just starting off in the industry. We've all kind of been there in our own way, shape or form. You you start and you have an idea of who you wanna look up to. Here are the stars, here are the go-tos. And I find that those are actually a litmus test. So I'm not gonna name names, but there are a couple people who I find that you know you've got enough experience as a marketer when you start quieting some of those voices and you realize like, okay, well that person no longer provides value. I'm able to go to this next level and I want more granular stuff. I want, and that's, that's the thing too is, especially with marketing Twitter, we all, we all want to help in our own way, but there's also generalization posts that get to the point where you're not posting this ad value. You're posting this because you think this is, this will get you good engagement. So that's why I really like accounts that do more granular advice or they'll, or they'll be honest and say, like, as a strategist, like, the best answer is it depends. Because it depends. There's so many variables that you wind up having this generalized content be like, well, it's the John Madden marketing stuff. It's like, it's the, it's the to be on social media, you have to be on social media. Like, that, that's hard. And I'm just like, that's helpful because it's true. But, like, is it helpful? Like, that doesn't really, it's, it's the John Maddenisms that can drive you crazy. Yeah. So yeah. wanting to get more granular, and that's why I think the niche works. If you're in that niche, 
then like tell me about that niche because you're not going to have as many variables as someone in a completely different industry or if we're looking for marketing from like like from the blimp above like you're able to actually say like no i can actually get a little bit more granular here because i know who i'm tar i'm talking to i know who i'm targeting i know what i'm trying to say i know what pain points exist in this specific part of the funnel or flywheel like you're able to have those conversations in a little bit more specific nature which is fantastic the problem is you just have to be comfortable as marketers understanding when you've outgrown the generalizations that that's a good thing that that's okay and that that person served their purpose they, they made you excited about marketing or they made you excited about reading a book or they made you excited about learning more but now you've hit that point where you're just you're in it yeah for me it's actually field marketing because there's no one that's talking about mm -hmm. it on on linkedin yeah. it's, it's 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 helped me and so it brings me kind of to, to my next point so you know hashtag marketing twitter has existed for a while but you reignited it with a single tweet back in december what prompted you to write that tweet and just just for people that are listening so this single tweet has over 2.9 thousand replies over 600 retweets and nearly 5,000 likes. so what you know what prompted you and what has it done for the twitter community yeah so what happened was, and like you said, marketing Twitter has been around for a while. I definitely didn't create it. It it all started for me when Julian, we were kind of all connected through marketing. And we have like, I don't want to say clicks, but I'll say like micro communities. We have like our little micro groups in, in Twitter and just talking to each other and making friends and, and sharing ideas and concepts. And then Julian did a post last year. It's almost a year since that post. Basically saying like, I run this brand account and I would love to meet the person who runs this brand account respond with who you would like to meet and which a brand account you work for and it really kind of created this swell of of people who run brand accounts who who work for nike and work for adweek and and work for aviation engine and so you have these people who who are the human behind the curtain and they get to meet each other and talk to each other and it's great and now that we're all connected you'll see two brands talking like back like bantering back and forth on twitter and you're just sitting there be like I know that person and I know that person and they're friends and that's why this is happening. And it just, it creates just a lot more context and a lot just really cute engagement that you're able to see between brands because it's the humans behind those brands now know each other. It just, it creates opportunity that you would not have before. And so between that and just in general, my using of Twitter, I've come up with just a lot of amazing people that I love to pieces, just some of my dearest friends. And so that day i was looking through my feed and it was still 2020 and so like it should be a hate-filled place it should be filled with doom and gloom and just despair and it wasn't it was just all my friends it was just scrolling through all these marketers that i love and respect who just blessing my feed with every like swipe through and what you have is you just have the most amazing experience that people don't talk about on social when people talk about their social experience, it's very different and it's usually toxic. It's usually just, I, I need to, and I've even written about it. Like you, you can't unplug, but you have, because you have to stay up to date and you have to know what's happening, but it's, everything is unhealthy and it's just doom scrolling. And so I just wanted to share it. So I wrote that morning and I know that a lot of people as marketers, we, we know that follower count is a vanity metric. But we hold ourselves more accountable to our, for our personal accounts than we do for our brand accounts sometimes. We could work for a Fortune 500 company, but then still feel like a nobody because we don't have a certain number beside our name. And it's just really sad, but imposter syndrome is real. And we self-reject all the time. 
I mean, there's so many times I've almost written a tweet. I'm like, eh, I shouldn't say that or eh, no one's going to care or and just constantly questioning what we're going to put out into the universe because we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid that we're going to have something that we think is a brilliant idea. And then someone's like someone we respect will respond and be like, Christina, this is stupid. <laughs> like, what are you thinking? So you have this you have this mentality of self-rejection. And that's why I made it under a thousand because those people don't feel they don't feel worthy for no other reason than because of a follower account, which is so stupid and so silly, but it's true. So come over, say hi, make friends, let us know a little bit more about you. And it created this swell because, and I still get messages from people saying like, this is what I do, do I qualify? And I was like, oh, sweetie, there's no qualification. Do you wanna hang and talk to us? Just chat with us, like just say hi. Let us know a little bit more about you. I don't care if you run one side account as a freelancer, or you're the head of social. Everyone has ideas, everyone has the ability to say something and be able to say something fresh that could help others. Like we could all learn from each other. So I think it's I think it's done a really great job of, of elevating the community and letting us all know that we don't have to be so cutthroat, that we can learn from each other, that it can be a positive place. And also that like, I'm very much community over competition. The world's a big place. The internet's a big place. I don't have to, I don't have to walk over you to be successful. I would much rather lift you up and let you be amazing, and then just let me be amazing. Like I'll just let my work show for itself. Yeah, I, I love that. Like I couldn't have said it better. Like it's it's got me hooked because I've always been on Twitter, but I've never like it's. I'm like a closet meteorology like <laughs> like geek yeah. and like that's basically I was following like sports people and I was following like meteorologists and like that's what I love but then like I've started to get more active on it within like the last probably month or so and it's been really great and like I've met so many amazing people that are just like you know they're just pe- there's people behind these computers yeah. and, like those are the people that I want to interact with so it's been it's been really fun so thank you for that and so you know, you have over 16,000 followers on Twitter, over 7,000 on LinkedIn. This is kind of a two-part question. How do you spend your time between the two and organize your content? But then what do you feel the major differences are between LinkedIn and Twitter from like a marketer's perspective? Yeah. So I I have accounts almost everywhere, but Twitter and LinkedIn are my two favorite just because I find that they create the most value, especially when I'm trying to learn from others. I'm I am a curious to a fault sort of person, so I'm all, I'm always wanting to read opinions and what are people's thoughts on this campaign or that. I, I watch the Super Bowl to critique the ads. Like I just and I love football, but like I'm there for the ads. So I am constantly on either channel because I want to know what's happening in, in people's worldview. I think you can tell a lot about somebody by the content that they create especially on Twitter, because Twitter is so fast moving. And unless something catches on, it's just going to fly. And so by the time someone saw it, like there's so much other content they can they can really react to. So I love the idea that you can post as little or as much as you want. But also that engagement, because Twitter's open, I love the idea that you can reach out to people that you can have conversations that it that it really spurs conversations more than anything. Twitter feels more conversational than anything else. With LinkedIn, it doesn't feel that way because you have the comment section and then it's like broken down. And that's what the structure is for most things like Facebook or, or Instagram or everything like that. You really have the idea of the the piece of content and then the comment section versus Twitter where it feels very incestuous. Like it's this massive hodgepodge. Your, your one tweet can be like 
tweeted, quote tweeted, screenshot and posted. It can be just this amalgamation of any kind of variant that whoever wants to share that content can do with it. But because of that, it just creates these different pockets of conversations that you just don't have that access to when you're looking at other channels. I also love the social listening components of just natively searching for conversations on social, specifically Twitter. I love looking for, if there's something that really matters to me, I'll start looking for keywords, seeing if people are already talking about it. And if it's, if there's anything really cool that I can jump in and like share my thoughts on, or just be like, no, I have nothing to share. This is brilliant. I'm just going to make sure this gets put into the universe. Then that's great. But LinkedIn, I, the thought leadership is very similar and very different on Twitter and LinkedIn. The, the LinkedIn post of you're going to have line breaks. You're going to have it feel like a story format, but it, you know it's not. Like, it's very, like, if Lifetime Movie did a job interview, like, that story lives on LinkedIn all of the time. <laughs> Just get rid of it, please. And then Twitter, you have some where it's the it's the university post. It's the, it's the Twitter university, and then it's all guys. So there's toxic elements of both. But I think it's easier to amplify. I think that's the beautiful thing about Twitter and TikTok is that the shareability is a lot easier. That's why I think like a, a tweet, a, um, like retweeting and quote tweeting is really empowerful, is really powerful. And then you'll see screen captures of those tweets and they perform well on Instagram and they perform well on Facebook and LinkedIn versus TikTok, which you'll post. And I share I share TikToks I love all the time. You'll see it do well on TikTok, and then it's something that you're like, I love this, I want to share this, and then you put it on Twitter, or you put it in your Instagram stories, and people can see things. So it's, it really creates this opportunity for people to, for people to really kind of share. I think that's, that's the thing that I, that I think Twitter wins, is that it's just between, t between TikTok and Twitter, the shareability, and being able to express yourself, especially through other people's content, I think is fantastic. I think on You'll see, you'll see when people share their TikTok and Twitter, usually they'll include like the little like TikTok tag and they'll include the, the name of the person. So whether or not they tag that person in the platform specifically, you have ownership. Like you can see who, who created the original content. On LinkedIn, there's a lot of copy paste. Like there's a lot of copy and pasting. And I want us to get out of that. I want us to be like, it doesn't all need to be engagement bait. It doesn't all need to be like, just share what you actually think about things. And I think that's, that's really great about Twitter too, is if you really love it, you have to spend a lot of time on it. And because of that, you wind up showing your true self really quickly. You can't help but dive into like what you're like when you have a bad day and what you feel, what you're like when you don't feel well or what you're listening to. Like today, the Foo Fighters album is coming out and I have two different versions of the album coming to my house today and I am so pumped. And then I love my Hokies. I love, I love Virginia Tech. So those things like bleed into my feed. Like I know that there's a lot of people who follow me who could not care less. Like they're like, Christina, stop. But it's a part of me. And if you like me, like that's a, that's a package deal. Like you're going to see Dave Grohl in your feed. I am not sorry. Like he's, he's, he's my sidekick. He just tags along. That's, that's so true. And I, that, I think that's something that's important though, is the authentic, authenticity, because like, that's what shines. I, I like marketing. Like, I can read about marketing, but like, I want to learn more about like the people. Like yeah. for me, like I play baseball, I bring, I have a two year old daughter. Yeah. Like I bring all of that into what I post about mm -hmm. as well. And I think like that gets you to not only like what the person's posting, but also connect in, in a deeper level oh, as 100%, well, um, 100%. which is interesting. Yeah. You need that. Yeah. You need that connection. Cool. It makes you feel human. I mean, 
your marketing your marketing thought process could be brilliant like you could be like this version like this century's ogilvy but you would sound like a marketing bot if that's literally the only thing you have to talk about tell me more i want to connect the people who especially with 2020 there was such a need for vulnerability too to be able to openly say like i am struggling i can't sleep I'm stressed, I'm crying at my computer, I don't know how to cope, is anyone else like this? Are we just, just that crying out into the void and acknowledging that things suck sometimes is a very human thing and creates connection so genuinely because you were saying, I know you may not want me, but this is me at my worst and I can't help but express it. And then people are like, no, 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 no. That makes me feel better because I feel the same way. Because they don't, and, and granted, there's horrible people who can be like, ha look at that one. But there's also really nice people who are, who are feeling the exact same thing and either didn't feel comfortable expressing it or just simply couldn't express it and for whatever reason. And because in that moment you were open and honest and vulnerable, they feel less alone. And that honestly is like the heart of community. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree more with you there. And so for like people that are listening that that they're just starting out building an online presence as a professional, how do you manage Twitter and LinkedIn or even other social media on top of those? Or I guess a better piece or question would be, where would you focus your energy if you were a marketer just starting your career? It really depends on your goals. So I hate to be that person that's like, it depends, but it depends. Um, It really depends on your goals. Do you want mentorship? Do you want to learn? Do you want to build a network? Do you want to set up your personal brand? Figure out what your goals are and then prioritize them because depending on where you want to be, that's going to that's gonna differ. So for example, the other thing is that you have like first mover advantage. So like Clubhouse, there's people who are already getting like million, like they have over a million followers on Clubhouse and it's not because they're good. It's that because they were one of the first people there. They started getting people following them. They started doing more time and sending and, and doing more rooms. And then Clubhouse started recommending them to people. So they get that they get that early adopter push. So if you really want if you really want heavy followers, that's where you go. It's kind of like when TikTok was when Facebook redid TikTok as Reels. You knew that they wanted to elevate that space, so you knew if you leaned in heavily to Reels, you were going to get a lot of views versus putting the exact same content in Facebook or regular Instagram. There is that thing if you really want followers quickly, that easy that like make sure that you're an early adopter because you there's just more real estate for you to grab for yourself pretty quickly. If you want to learn and you want to connect with people, I can't think of anything better than Twitter. I really can't. You can connect with absolutely anyone as long as they don't mute or block you. You can talk to absolutely anyone. I had a post, and this is me being a marketer, but the my favorite human on the entire Bird app is Mark Hamill. Like I love marketing. I love every single person in marketing. They're some of my favorite brands, but I would pick, I would push them out of the way for Mark Hamill in a hot second. And he liked one of my tweets yesterday. So, and it makes me like beyond happy. It might be his assistant, it might be him. I don't even know. But just the ability that you can connect with people, it, you could connect and have a conversation with the CEO of your favorite company. You could, you could showcase how much you love a brand and have them respond back. There's an openness with Twitter that makes it so incredibly valuable. And you can like people, DMs are amazing. The, the DM work, like when you slide into someone's DMs, the stuff you can do, like the connections you can make if you use it correctly and you're not like really creepy, 
are incredibly powerful. Like the, just the friend groups I have in DMs, I still pinch myself. I'm like, I don't know why I'm in this group. Like <laughs> these people are amazing. Why am I here? <laughs> like, don't kick me out, but I don't, I don't feel <laughs> worthy. <laughs> that That's awesome. So, so I want to kind of go a little back, mm-hmm. bit further back. And so I did some research. Mm-hmm. And so the first tweet that you sent from your current account mm-hmm. was referencing an outdoor concert in Roanoke, Virginia. Yes. And it looks like you were a community builder mm-hmm. at, at some point. So a few things. Can you describe the very first tweet that you sent? You know, what was going through your mind at the time? Yeah. Did you just get started in post? And, and what was it like? I just started posting. I live outside of Roanoke now. Roanoke is a really beautiful place. There's a lot of it's it's not it has a lot of things that like a smaller city would have but it doesn't have like the bustling that you would have if you were living in like a dc area we're we're a few hours um away from dc so i i love the idea of being able to use twitter specifically to push economic development i think the mayor of miami does an amazing job he really shows you what that can look like when you do it well so when i was working in roanoke i originally was working at an art museum in downtown Roanoke and was working on their Twitter and Facebook and was able to really look at the user culture and what people were liking and not liking. And so the tweet that I posted, it's all about just sharing kind of something great about Roanoke so that more people that are not necessarily in Roanoke will see it. The Twitter the Twitter community in, in this area is growing, but it's, it's not nearly as big as it could be. A lot of these people are on Facebook um, and Instagram. That tends to be the go-to for my region. And, and I have those, but I'm very much, I'm very much a Twitter person. That's, that's my go-to. So seeing if there's other ways that we could kind of share what's good and what's happening in our area that might make someone else that, oh, I'd never heard of Roanoke or I, oh, I, that's really cool. I'd love to go there on my next trip or something like that. There's, there's opportunities that I think the people who live in their area by celebrating the region where they live it provides a lot of opportunity for people who may have never heard of it or didn't even know, like knew it was a thing, but didn't understand like, well, what actually happens there? I've never been there. That's yeah, that that's true. I've actually, so I've never been, but I have heard it's very Yay, beautiful. So you should come visit. It's, I know it's, you know, maybe when this pandemic's behind yeah. us, like I travel a lot for field marketing and like, I do go down to the DC area mm-hmm. a lot. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll put it on my list. And so, yeah, I can give you a tour. You know, It'll be cool. Amazing. So we talk a lot about adding value because, you know, people, especially people that are starting out there, they, they don't think they can add value. So what does adding value mean to you if you're a marketer that you're just getting started and building your personal brand? Yeah. Adding value means that someone is able to glean something from you that they may not have thought of before. It might be something new. I think that I truly believe that we can all learn from each other and not a single person knows everything. They really don't. Anyone that tells you that, like, that's why we were talking originally, like, I don't like, I don't like the word guru. I don't like the word expert because especially in the marketing and social media space, how can you be an expert on something that's changing every second? That's, and also the thing is, is that we have these communities, we have these, especially social media with these online platforms they each have different features and functionality and rules in terms of service, but also they're the user culture is human. So if like that's why meme culture is, is is shifting and we're seeing a lot more use of that. It's why we see these like specific types of, of content that people can make on certain things. One person will see one type of post that they absolutely love and they'll they'll try to make it their own and do it in their own way. Things are constantly in flux because we're constantly seeing things that trigger us, that make us think of something else that we would want to create. So how can you be an expert in that 
than something that is that fluid and forever changing. It's it's incredibly it's incredibly powerful. Yeah, it's I was never a fan of exit. There's so many people that put like expert or guru in there, like like their their headlines on LinkedIn. That's where I spend most of my time. And it's just like if I see that, I I kind of instantly. Mm-hmm push you to the side because I also agree. I don't think anyone's ever an expert, you know, so uh, this is what something that I'm interested in because I, so for, for my content, I I spend five minutes, figure out what I want to post on LinkedIn. I don't, I don't write anything in my notes section, but like, what's the source of your inspiration for your Twitter content? Do you keep notes? Where are your ideas stored? Like what's your workflow look like? My drafts is my notes folder. Everything is, everything lives in there, including like my more like hateful, Sarcastic. I always say like my toxic trait is like in my draft folder where I try to curate and be nice. Sometimes, sometimes my meanness shows up and I, I go full blast and be like, y'all, this is stupid. But I try to, I try to be like, no, be nice, be nice. <laughs> but I keep notes. I keep notes. A lot of, I'll be completely honest with you. I've worked for brands where we've tried to like schedule things out months in advance. And when you're doing something that far out, it just, it just instinctively is dry. How can you how can you write something that feels like it's living in the moment when you wrote it like a month ago, like for a deadline? It's hard. It's really hard to be able to capture lightning in a bottle and then be like, and we're gonna put this here, and it's gonna live in this call in this in this content calendar, and we're gonna push it out at seven thirty four on a Thursday night. Like it's it's hard. So the best content I see is actually triggers, including myself. If you ever see me write something and it's just like, guys, we need to do this, 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 nine times out of 10, it's because I saw someone do something that was counter to what I was recommending. And it triggered me into thinking like, oh my goodness, why are we still doing this? So like, for instance, I posted a while back saying like, repeat after me, Instagram captions, like the URLs are not clickable. And it's because I saw an account and I don't want to put people on blast and call them out and be like, what is this mess? I don't want to do that, but I do need to help and be like, all right, I don't know why I'm still seeing this. I'm not going to call anyone out. Can we please stop? Like, can we just stop? Because I don't want to make anybody feel bad, but I also want it to stop. I want want people to fix it. So a lot of things like that, if you'll see that and be like, oh, okay, Christina, it's a trigger. I'm specifically triggered by someone else's content for better or for worse. And, and that's the response. That's the, that's the, and as I like to say, most, most tweets are subtweets. We just don't, we just don't want to admit it. That's so true. I could definitely relate to that. How do you, how do you toggle between professional content and just, you know, or content about work and then your, your personal stuff, especially on Twitter? Yeah. Especially on Twitter, it has to be stuff that, that matters to me. The stuff that, this stuff that's not marketing related, it's stuff that's so intrinsically me that I couldn't hide it for very long if I tried. Like I live in the area, 81, which is a main roadway for us, normally has traffic, especially pre-pandemic. There was always traffic for absolutely no reason. So there was a lot of negativity about that. But anyone in my region would be like, mm-hmm, that's correct though, <laughs> that's, that's a good point. And then the Foo Fighters, obviously, like I love them and they're, they're always with me. Music is probably the one thing in my life, apart from my family, that I love more than marketing. Music is absolutely everything to me. I, I can't get a day, I can't go through a day without it. And then Virginia Tech, I love the Foo Fighters. I married into a family of Hokies and I drink all of the Kool-Aid. I love them. Their, their success or failures dictate my emotional situation for a few for a few days so but this is stuff that is the stuff that is so intrinsically me that I couldn't block it for so long I can only block it for so long before it like bursts out of me in, in copy form so I feel like for for people 
the the professional line and there has to be a line for you too there has to be stuff that you're just not going to do like i don't like to cuss especially online. i think i've cussed maybe three times in my entire like feed and it was stuff is like no, no no how do you not cuss about this but i don't like to cuss if it's a political thing i'm very particular i i am very much it needs to be something that matters so much to me that if my boss came up to me i'm like christina you you can't write this or this isn't this isn't gonna work it needs to be something that matters to me so much and i'm like okay it's the, the the hell will you die on? It's the hill you die on is what you yeah. post on social. It's just you decide how big or how small that hill is. I love that. That's what that's what makes you you though, and yeah. that's what it makes everyone else like important to them. So I love that. And so this is you know interesting because this is what you build towards the benefit of a personal brand, like the good story. Yeah. And so you know you're you're taking on a brand new role mm-hmm. with HubSpot, mm-hmm. which is amazing. So congrats on Thank that. But you. like. What impacts has personal branding had on your career? Because in my theory, like I'm trying to use personal branding to never have a, to never have to use a resume again. Like that's, that's my goal from it. And like, what has it done for you? It has opened, my personal brand has opened almost every single door that I've had as a marketer. It's, it's gotten me speaking engagements. It's gotten me quotes and articles. It's, it's gotten me featured in in like end of year eBooks and and things like that, because I've leveraged myself as someone that can bring value because it's, it's not me saying how great I am. It's me. It's that teacher in me. Like the thing is, is that I've never stopped teaching. It's just, I left the classroom. That's, that's really the, that's really the point for me. And so as long as I try to, as long as I try to help build others up and educate people in the industry and make things better, then that mark for me opens doors. So I was offered, I want to say about 20 jobs um, <laughs> over the last three months Wow! because of the, the community building work. A lot of people were seeing the value and it was, I was happy where I was. So it was very easy to, to say no to a lot of them, but being able to say like, I'm not the only community builder. There's a lot of amazing, talented people why don't I send you a list of people that you could take a look at that I think would be great for this? Because it, like I said, there's room for all of us. Like I couldn't do 20 jobs. It just, I, I mean, like, unless they clone me, but there's far better people to clone than me. But, but having that opportunity and then places like HubSpot, which is my dream company, I'm still pinching myself and waiting for them to change their mind. Because <laughs> I love them. They, HubSpot Academy is the reason why I'm a marketer. I, like I said, I didn't have a marketing degree HubSpot Academy was the first like real marketing knowledge that I dove into and just inbound. I, I absolutely fell in love with inbound marketing. It made so much sense. Like it, like they say, like it just clicked. It just clicked. And that's how my brain works now. So it opens, it opens a lot of doors, but I would, I would say, honestly, the doors open when you give more than you take a hundred percent. Like my, my growth, the opportunities I've had, I, I was at an agency last year and I burned out and left. And one of the things that I missed most, it created such a void in my life, was the team that I worked with. I absolutely adored so many amazing people. And our chats, I would share like, here's articles you need to read, here's stuff you need to know about, here's updates. So I was constantly like feeding them the information they needed to know. And I miss that. And so when I left, I put all of that energy into the void that was Twitter. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to put all that energy that I can't give to them. I'm going to give all that energy to Twitter. And that's when things like just really blew up for me because I was investing in this industry and I like, I'm, I'm not a big fan of silos. I'm not a big fan of gatekeepers. I'm very much a fan of 
if we gave everyone access to amazing information and we let people do their best work, like how amazing would our industry be if we have all these innovators with access and they're able to do this incredible work and make change and just revitalize this industry. I find that if I've helped one marketer make a better choice or do something that makes them see something differently, like my Twitter I see as an investment in my industry because if it's making people better and if it's making people get connected and have better networks and, and be able to provide better work, then that makes my industry better and I get to play a small role in that, which I love. I think that's, I think that's powerful. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't. I, I agree with you there. It's 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 something that, and I just want the people that are listening to understand that, like, I'm a big proponent of you know personal brand opening doors that you never knew existed. And I mean, this is basically confirming what I've been saying this whole time. So I love love to hear it. So I think we're coming up on time. So I want to close with a few final questions for you. Do you have any final parting words for anyone who wants to start creating their own per- personal brand? Anything that you know you would give to the, you know, the old you. Mm -hmm. Be very clear about who you want to be and realize that not everyone's going to like you. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people go into social and they, they have their personal brand and they create great content. And then someone comes in there and starts hating on them and they immediately take it seriously. And that it, it's that troll becomes the voice of their imposter syndrome. And they're like, see, I was right. You're not as good as you think you are. You are never going to be everyone's cup of tea. And that is absolutely okay. Just be yourself. Yes. Yep. Wish I could retweet that right now <laughs> because that is so true. All right. So final question. Since you broke records with your tweet in December, <laughs> what's your next viral tweet going to be? I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully it's going to be a viral tweet talking about something great that HubSpot's doing. I'm excited to start my, jo- my journey and excited to share what they're doing and, and building up and also just being a fan of the fans. I... I'm connected with a lot of HubSpotters online. I see a lot of the great work that they're doing for their companies and for their agencies. And so I hope that my next viral tweet will be something great about HubSpot and or about HubSpot users. Love it. Love it. And and where should people go to f- learn more about you? Where, you know, drop some handles, whatever else you want to plug, feel free. Yeah, um, I'm at that Christina G on Twitter and Instagram. My Instagram does not look like a marketer's Instagram. It's like trees and landscapes and very pastoral. <laughs> it's like it's like English countryside, but in Virginia. That's kind of that's kind of what my Instagram is. So don't expect like quotes or or anything like prolific there. I'm on Medium. I write a lot on Medium. I have a couple pieces that are in draft stage right now. I have a publication on Medium called In the Trenches that I'm really proud of. And it's specifically to highlight people who are practitioners in the space, but probably haven't been published before and haven't probably don't have the chance to get published because they're just starting out on Medium. So I have a few articles there from some people in marketing Twitter talking about their experiences, whether it be personal branding or accessibility or tools to use, but really, really great options there. On LinkedIn, you can just search Christina G or Christina Garnett and find me there. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll make sure to update the show notes with some of these specific resources that you provided. So Christina, thanks again. I really appreciate you spending some time with us today. It was great having you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's awesome. Thank you for listening to Rep Your Brand. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you learned something new today, it'd be great if you left us a review. We'll catch you next time.